My name's Joel Rhodes, host of Lone Star Dry Goods Podcast. We take great pride in our shop and the goods we've curated throughout our journey. Our goal is to shine a light on the dedication, creativity, and resiliency of our makers and the roads they've traveled. Lone Star Dry Goods Podcast was created to highlight the Lone Star way of life and bring our makers out of the shadows. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and pop a top on an ice-cold shiner beer. You know, Lone Star style. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, angler, surfer, X Games commentator, maker of simple tools, and sailor extraordinaire. Join us as we chart our course and set sail with the man whose mission is to bring back masculinity to America, one blade at a time. Todd Weatherill, let's uh, let's address the elephant in the room, man. We're we're on a boat. We're on a boat, and we're in Kima, Texas. What are we doing here? Well, this has now become my residence. So first of all, hello everyone. Um, we moved aboard about three months ago. Uh, house in Austin sold, so we needed a place to go before my oldest daughter went to college. So we came here as a vacation for a few weeks and uh, voila, I'm still here. Now what were you doing in Austin? Uh, running our company, Real Simple Tools, and we also were, uh, I'm a rep for Under Armour, so we're five states worth of distribution there. And uh, we just decided to move everything over from Austin to Kima, Texas, so the business is here now as well. How long were you in Austin? Uh, originally in 1992, uh, came down after college and then stayed until 1998, and then I moved back there to follow my kids in 2010 and we just moved this year so like i said we're here on a boat you left austin you moved uh you moved yourself and your family and you're here at the coast how did you get in how did you end up on a boat like how did you not end up in a house or a duplex is this is this a lifelong journey of yours that's reached its culmination uh is this like was this your dream so yeah it it actually was um in 1998 I bought my first big sailboat Uh, I moved aboard about a mile from here at Watergate Yachting Center on a 37 uh, Morgan out island and we were planning on going to Mexico and then the first kid happened so flash forward 20 years almost to the date I'm back at the same starting point which is a sailboat why sailing what is it about it um, that really speaks to you well I grew up on trawlers uh, my grandfather had three when we were growing up an Owens a, um, a rough water and then an ocean 40 which was my favorite boat all uh, Taiwanese designs uh, we were offshore on the Pacific Northwest uh, all the way up to Alaska till about the late 90s and then when my grandfather passed away um, one of the promises that I made myself uh, as I left power boating was that I wanted to learn how to sail. I wanted to single hand a boat to Mexico. This boat was bought to do that. uh, So we put a lot of work into it. Uh, My daughter moved off the boat to college. So now I'm an empty nester and the other two live about a mile from here. So been getting the boat ready, uh, doing all the things that you have to do to get the thing to Mexico. And she's almost ready. I've got to replace a few more lines and some uh, running rigging. And other than that, uh, this boat's ready to rock. Man, so we were hanging out with some friends last night whenever I, whenever I rolled into town, uh, you know, from Fort Worth. Uh, we had some amazing redfish and kingfish that you and a buddy had caught uh, here locally, and man, that was quite the treat. 
it seems as though sailing would lend itself to a feeling of absolute freedom and vulnerability. Is that is that accurate? So if you're on a trawler, they always say that you you yell a lot less because you don't have all these lines to run and telling everyone where to sit and where to go. So trawlers are a lot easier once they're away from the dock. But what makes a, a sailboat magic is it's the most expensive way to travel for free. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that's... That's some, that's some hard truth right there. It's the most expensive way to travel for free. Yeah, and everyone always has the jokes about boats being a hole that you throw you know, money into. But sailboats are very unique in the fact that you never stop rolling money into the boat. Uh, it's always something to do with a line or rigging or a, an electronic or even, for that matter, some of the moving hardware on the bottom of the boat. Are you a fan of Hemingway? Love, definitely. I... I believe that Hemingway figured out early in his life that he could live the life that he wrote about. We would all be so lucky, you know, or so fortunate, you know, hard work, blessings, whatever you want to call it. But it's like, that's the, uh, that's the dream. That's the goal. I, I sort of came into that as a kid. We spent a lot of time really enjoying our family growing up. We have a great family, a brother and a sister and two parents that really care extended cousins in Colorado, over 50, first and second cousins were amazing people. And so we always had a lot of family time. We always had a lot of lake time, a lot of water time, camping, hiking. Of course, with Denver as the background, um, climbing and hiking and camping really overtook our, our family as well as the water in the summer. So we always knew we were going this direction, but I, we were in Hawaii last year. My dad had had some health problems, so we took a family trip to Hawaii. My dad gave me the best compliment he's ever given me. Most of the time it's, hey, why do you want to go into the water ski industry? Why do you want to be in the you know, action sports industry, if you will, and outdoor industry? And he, he said to me, everyone in our family always talked about living their dreams. And somehow you did it that's quite the statement man uh that's got to just overwhelm you with joy to have to have what you know reaffirmed by an outside voice yeah i mean leaving college with a degree my dad said hey uh you're never going to make money in water skiing and uh, amazingly enough here we are 30 years later doing the exact same thing i was doing 30 years ago so let's back up a second you mentioned colorado and denver uh are you a texas native or Transplant? I'm, I'm actually a Colorado native. Uh, our family, part of the pioneers of Colorado. Um, we are fourth generation Colorado and really proud of that. Colorado changed a bit, similar to Austin. Um, looking back now, uh, the only thing I miss are the old days there. The, the new Colorado is not my thing. I really like the Western Slope. I really like everything outside of the Front Range, but uh, it was very difficult seeing that happen to Colorado as well. well let's hop over to the action sport because uh, you know that really piqued my interest. Um, can you, what's up with that? What do you mean when you say action sports and it's come to fruition? Did you have a career at one point in time? So, so what happened was, is I was in Denver and college football was over. Um, I was a water skier. Somebody came in the shop, a guy named Jimmy Redman, another guy named Tony Finn, handed me a wakeboard. Um, I was a trick skier, so I could do a backflip pretty quick. 
and uh, once my mentors taught me how to ride the wakeboard uh, was offered you know to go on this pro wakeboard tour and after that uh, it was actually the water ski tour at the time we were an exhibition before the uh, national anthem like get the hippies off the water let's start the event and so we kind of took that over I became the World Wakeboard Association's first president we started the pro wakeboard tour we took it to X Games and then within about three years I was no longer competitive as a wakeboarder but I ran the association and I also ended up being the announcer on ESPN for not only the sport of wakeboarding but all the Disney Junior X series and then X Games as well back in 1995 offered the job to go to Rhode Island for the first X Games and rode that wave for about 10 years. And as content continued to increase, the demand for announcers obviously went way down. And so did the price. So I had to continue repping the way that I was when I left Colorado. I came down to this territory with O'Brien water skis and O'Neill wetsuits and have continued to do that now for 30 years, even during the 10 years that I was announcing and traveling worldwide for ESPN. It was really an amazing ride. What kind of experience is that, um, just being part of the X Games production? I mean, is it a larger-than-life type thing? Well, so it's changed a bunch. I mean, again, you have content, so much content, that there's not a lot of money in that anymore. But at the beginning events... You know, we had 17 qualifiers, and we went everywhere. We went everywhere from Phuket and Kuala Lumpur, Thailand, mainland Malaysia. We went to Canada. We went to Mexico, Costa Rica. We went everywhere. And to be on an expense budget when X Games was at its height of 90 million live viewers, uh, it was like being a rock star when you got off airplanes. A very short time. You get your 15 minutes, and then you move on with life. You know, I had kids, and... In 2004, left X Games for that reason, and uh, it. But it was a great experience, and I, I think a total I wrecked about 14 rental cars on purpose. So I walked away from a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> How do we end up at Real Simple Tools? So, to make a long story short, on the Real Simple Tools was I have been a rep my whole life for companies that once you build it, they take it away, and so as a rep making seven percent of gross and covering my own expenses for 30 years about four years ago i decided to reach out and make something for myself with the relationships that i'd carried with me for the past 30 years so i started with retailers and distribution i was making knives in the garage and axes but i was not a brand and growing up my last name is weather Rill. And everyone called me Weather All, Weather B, Weather Hill, and I'd always answer, it's real. So for me, R-I-L-L was a lifetime of explaining what my last name was. But Real Simple Tools came about because I thought there was a need for just the simplicity of a basic knife, a basic camp axe. And now, of course, we have these $250 collector axes made out of 180-fold Damascus steel. Uh, But in the beginning, it was about finding a commodity that didn't matter what brand it was. So if if I walk into Lone Star and I'm like, hey, um, where's your camp axe? I'm never asking, hey, where's your real simple tools camp axe? I'm asking if you carry camp axes. So you go over to 
whatever store you are, I'll use the academy bad word, but you walk into academy and ask where the axe is, they got a $39, $79 axe, you grab the 79 one, you're on the way to the cash register before you actually even look at the brand name. So commodities on walls are how we started. We, we could start with distribution, and those are things that, you know, this guy will sell 35 axes a year for the last 40 years. So it became a way to use my relationships into making a really good product and then making sure that that product was something that they could move without high warranties, without uh, loss of profit. Uh, because as you know, the knife and axe game is nowhere near the profit margins as some of the other industries. So we really wanted everybody to make money while they were selling our goods. So we, we start with how you buy it, not how you sell it. So we, we use a lot of recycled materials that virtually cost us nothing. Pieces of rebar, pieces of I-beam, uh, metal that's been taken and steel that's been taken out of buildings that they're tearing down to build the next great location that always ends up getting torn down too so best steel ever made was in the 1970s that kaiser steel was amazing and that's what's in all these buildings that are being torn down so we're getting really good quality metal uh, that and truck springs um, kitchen counters recycled skateboard decks whatever we can get our hands on that you can make a scale for a handle or the steel to cut a blade we really try to focus our brand on reusing and repurposing things that are being thrown away. When you got into the business and decided that's what you wanted to do, did you have, do you have a background in forge, uh, forging metal or scales or is it something that you on just- On a very small scale. You just take um, a bite of the apple and just start chewing? We, when we started, um, we were making knives in my garage, um, but they were, Fred Flintstone style compared to what we do now. The stuff we do now is is exotic, high carbon steel. Um, we really enjoy the overall, uh, I think the overall impression that our products make as opposed to just being an ax. It's something that you could hang above a door and pe it's a conversation piece. People love our Damascus knives and axes because it's not just a knife. It's really a piece of artwork that's functional. Man, I couldn't agree more. You know, when you and I first met, I guess almost two years ago, um, as long as I've been with Lone Star, I mean, that's what brought me down here to Kima is because of you and Real Simple Tools. Like, I believe in what you guys are doing. You know, we picked up your brand, I think, a little over a year ago. Uh, it's been great at the shop. Like you said, it is a great conversation piece, even just in a case. Um, it speaks for itself. But I knew there had to be more to it because here you are on the coast and you've you've for lack of a better word you've you've forged your own path and, and, you, and you're headed down it and i find it extremely neat um for people that take a you know their mustard seed of an idea and grow it and see it come to fruition um so, so let's talk about your steel uh you know we had visited some about it earlier quality of steel where you get it how you get it uh, would you go into that process briefly for us sure and and to back up what you just said Amazingly enough, our retailers have the same chime about every single manufacturer. And if we, you look at the blueprint of the best brands in the market, the North Faces, the Patagonias, the Cools, all these companies started out with basic specialty distribution. And most companies today try to sell a product 
we already had the distribution. So we had to make promises to these people. And one of those promises is, is that we would source the best products and the best materials, but also to follow it up, that we're not blowing it out on Amazon DTC like all these giant brands are. And even the best of those brands cannot help themselves. They, they literally go on Amazon, don't allow their retailers to sell on Amazon, and then they blow the stuff out for less money than the retailer. Our idea, and the reason why we have 85 doors in 22 states, is because we guarantee we're not on Amazon, we do not sell direct to consumer except through our website, and we don't advertise. And we actually drive business to our retailers. On the steel side, again, our metallurgy in the past in the United States is some of the best steel in the world. Kaiser Steel back in the day was making pre-stressed I-beams that would allow the building to move feet to each side during winds, during earthquakes. And this is the best, most flexible steel made. So if you make a, a fishing knife out of 1970s USA made steel, I mean, you can, and it's an exaggeration when you just fold the thing in half. It's so flexible, but it also keeps the blade. The materials that were used were so pristine in the steel industry. And since then, it's been convoluted with steels that are cut in half, melted down. They have to add chemicals and different metallurgy to get it back to a workable steel for an I-beam. But if you're going to tear down a strip mall, you're not taking 100-foot beams and trucking them out. You're cutting them into less than 30-foot pieces. You can't build a building like that again. So the metal has to be melted. Our goal is to find that metal before it leaves the United States. And if it has left the United States, to find it in its pristine condition and bring it back in one of our products. So you guys have a few... Uh, local partners in terms of where you're sourcing your metal, your handles, uh, various components. Is that also just speak to that industry experience of networking and getting down to know your community and getting out and making these phone calls, knocking on doors, finding the best possible product that you guys can offer for um, for what you do, but also in return at a price point that allows you to maintain a successful business. But I walk away with my 50 75 or $200 axe feeling like I got the deal. Yeah, and if you if you just put the word of mouth out, like we're out at Hill Country Outfitters by Fredericksburg, and and one of the things they helped us do was in talking to other people, a friend of a friend knows this saddle maker, and he always has remnants. So on our full metal jacket axe, we actually make little leather donuts for the handle, and and it's free. And we did the same thing. We did a dry bag, and the dry bag were remnants from a steamboat Colorado raft maker so we really just try to get the word of mouth out and it sort of found us um, we didn't really have to look very long to or, or even far to find metal that was being taken out of buildings in fact they tear bridges and strip malls and roads up all the time so there's unlimited amounts of rebar well we made a rebar recycler knife it's one of our pop most popular items and the reason why I like it is it's the pure pickup of the metal. Um, one of our partners, Council Tool, um, out of the north, uh, these guys are amazing at finding old truck springs. And, and they're taking this amazing steel that you get from uh, truck springs and making it into some of the best USA-made axes out there. Um, so it's super important to us that we find local, um, consistent, 
and, and really, really awesome partnerships to keep this brand going. You know, on our last podcast, I was visiting with Ryan uh, from Red Gap Brewery uh, out there in Cisco, and I had mentioned to him that there's just, so I'm 37, but there's I've seen a huge resurgence in people wanting to learn to do things again for themselves, whether it's leather making or forging their own steel or brewing beer. Uh, so this is a, like quality, I guess, is the point that I'm getting to. Um, it can be simple, and that's why, that's why I love your brand, man, real simple tools. Um, it, it can be simple but still well-crafted, uh, last a lifetime, uh, and it's made to work, right? Like it, it looks pretty on a shelf, but it's made to work. Yeah, that was important for us too. We, we wanted something that would be a daily user. So if you're going to pick up a blade, you, you go get a you know, $10 box knife from you know, Home Depot or one of the large guys, Walmart. And man, within days, you have so much stuff stuck to it that every time you work the mechanism in and out, it's frustrating. So we wanted folding box knives that could be used, resharpened. You'd never have to change any of the blades. So the stuff that we use for our brand, we also use ourselves. We want an axe that you can go out and split wood with. Uh, we wanted a driver. We wanted a backpack axe, a motorcycle axe, you know, a camper's axe that you can throw in your backpack and it's not going to be this five-pound you know, gigantic thing that you have to worry about always falling off the outside of your backpack. So it then becomes math because if you make a double turned, uh, double curve handle, you're actually increasing the drive by doubling the forebody. So the math has to work to make a little axe work. You can't just throw a piece of wood on the bottom of a head and expect the thing to work if it's only a, a one pound head with literally uh, half the size of handle. So you have, to, you have to put math into the handle in order to get it to have the same drive in the forebody. So a lot of this stuff is just trial and error, but th we have so many good people in front of us uh, or behind us that, that we can see what they've done for decades, if not centuries. And, and so we don't in reinvent the wheel. That was one of the reasons why Simple Tools was chosen over other brand names because Simple Tools, we just wanted stuff that worked, be your last axe that you buy. You may buy 20 more handles in your life, but if you buy one of our heads, all of our heads come with lifetime warranties. You're never going to ruin a real Simple Tools axe head. Um, you will break handles. <laughs> we break handles every day, especially when we throw them at targets. Whenever you're looking to add a product to your line, what's the thought process like? Is it something you're out in the field one day or you're on a boat or you're doing something? You're like, man, I wish I had a this for that. Number one, does it, does it fit our model? And our model is, will this work in a specialty account that does little to no advertising themselves? Will this work in their community? What source can we get? to provide enough so we can do enough quantity to be profitable, but also that our dealers could be profitable. So their profit margins are high. That way they can serve their community the way that they need to. And so our new products really are not just, let's design this. There has to be a need. Um, great example is the new Shucks oyster knife. Um, you get guys that are shucking three, 400 oysters in a single shift at a restaurant. And over that time, you'll notice where all of their calluses are in the palms of their hands. It's literally ripping their hands apart. So we made an orb design to be able to spin in the hand, but at the same time, we sharpen the tip unlike any other oyster knife. 
uh, to be able to go through massive volume without the same amount of trouble with your hands because it does take a little prying strength as well. With your background in all your years of retail, brand management, sales, um, what does the next five to ten years in retail look like from your perspective? So it's going two ways. Um, the first way is the dreaded Amazon way. So guy knows what he wants, goes to Amazon, books it for 25% less than anywhere, and it gets shipped to him. But what if it doesn't fit? What if it doesn't fit what he wants? Oh, I'll just send it back. Well, that's a lot of hassle. I believe in the sitcom Cheers. I believe people go to the bar because they want to walk in and everyone says, Norm! And so retailers that are on the specialty side have an advantage over Amazon, which is the second way retail is going. During this pandemic, you noticed all of a sudden that the local bicycle guy was killing it. The guy selling kayaks was killing it. So what we're really trying to point to people is, is the specialty is the high service route. If you're going to be a snow skier, you go in and get a custom orthotic for, for your foot that fits your foot perfectly. And so the more that people go to Amazon, the people that are real, the people that are on the trails, the people that are at the top of the summit, the people who are fishing offshore, these people want a specialty retailer. They can walk in and go, hey, what, what's the bait biting on right now? What, what, what kind of fly do I need for this water? And that you cannot find at the majors, only with the specialty retailers. So you have to find specialty retailers for whatever your fancy is. If you're a fisherman, you find those outfitters, and those outfitters you trust with your life and your money, and you're stoked to go back in. And inland, same thing. Whether you're talking about a barbershop with the products that a man puts in his hair or his beard or his mustache, this is super important to people. And you can't find that online without it being a poser. The reality of what we see every day, the specialty people that are churning, 65% of the employers in the United States are specialty. 65% of the people in the United States are employed by a specialty retailer. That is amazing. Small businesses own this country. And small businesses are not going to disappear. We're actually gonna thrive in this new model of Amazon because we can have the same tools as Amazon but on top of that, our service is way better. So people are going to flock to stores to buy the things that other people are buying online. And most people are buying them online. They discard whatever that is over time. The people who are buying a $250 axe from a specialty retailer come back to that retailer to service the axe, to buy additional items, to get more involved with the retailer. And when they're pulling their pocketbook out, they're super happy to spend money there because they're getting that cheers effect. 100% agree, man. So, you know, we do these, uh, we do Shiner Saturdays, which is most people's favorite day to shop at Lone Star, uh, if we're being honest, right? So they can come in, have a nice cold Shiner beer, awesome. walk around, um, look at cigars, look at coffee, look at tools, uh, Red Wing boots, just the whole nine yards, the experience of that mercantile general store, um, that howdy, how are you? They know whenever they come in the store who's going to be there, uh, the quality of service that's going to be there. It's never going to be in question. And that's something that's not easy to replicate but when you have the right team and the right vision and the right drive um, it just kind of comes with the territory so I definitely agree uh, and echo that sentiment from you 
people being happy to pull out that pocketbook because they know that they're not just buying a thing, right? Like they're supporting their local business. They're walking away with an item that they want and have chosen. And they know that they're helping uh, stimulate the economy and sustain it and keep it going. Uh, Because like you said, there is no personal connection with Amazon outside of the 1-800 number that you might get a a human voice to speak to. Um, That's that's no relationship at all. So I know that that's what we bring to the table as well as the other uh, specialty retailers that you mentioned. So I agree with you 100% on that one. You know, one thing that I like to say too is that in this pandemic, so many people have had to go to online meetings and online school and online learning and online, all this stuff's online, online, online. And I kind of attribute it to when my dad caught me smoking as a kid. And, you know, behind the barn, he says to Tommy, he's like, run home, I'm going to call your father. So the guy runs and then he says, give me the pack. And then he hands him back to you one cigarette at a time, says, smoke them up, Todd. Well, at the end of that is a guy that would never smoke again. And right now our kids are getting overwhelmed with the computer for the first time in their life. It used to be an addiction. And now all of a sudden those kids are going, Dad, can we go for a bike ride? Can we go walk on a trail? Can we get outside? And this pandemic has made this lost ways a little bit easier for America. So now people are learning to to butcher their own meat. They're learning how to hunt, to fish, to hike, to, to make their own candles. They're learning some really valuable lost ways to take us into a new realm, which is actually old school. I like that perspective because that's what life is all about is perspective, right? It's, it is what it is. It's how you, it's how you view it and how you tackle it going forward. And I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we're not a huge tech family by any means, at least when the kids are with me, um, our engagements with technologies and screens are, I do my best to limit those, but not out of this parental guidance. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's just not a part of our lives because we're still going out walking. We're still learning the skateboard. We're still fishing. We're still having picnics. We're still doing all that other stuff. Like, we never stopped and so it's less of a challenge for me and my family personally to break away from a screen because I was just never about it uh, to begin with um, now don't get me wrong man there's it's it's great to have it but it does suck the absolute life out of you and there is a method behind the madness and we are the product right if something's free you're the product I like that because th- the other part of that is, is just being so authentic to your community and what you guys do best at Lone Star is you're tapping into that lost ways you're tapping into that cheers mentality and people are looking forward to your daily specials they want to see what the next hat's going to look like it it, it almost holds them in suspense Uh, and, and suspense is important but it's also just the reveal like I'm following you guys because I want to see the reveal of the new hat I want to see the reveal of the new patch and and that's what your customers are holding on to is that stoke of life that's lost when you're behind a computer because this computer lifestyle at a certain point you lose all sensory like your your reception is turned off because you're receiving so many messages and then you sit outside with the sun hitting you and when the wind hits the back of your neck that's the experience that's what you feel so it puts you in the now and we've had an un uh, I guess you'd call it an unfair advantage over the rest of the world so Buddhist monks will go and they'll sit their entire lives to try to train their minds to have a few seconds where they're not traveling anywhere with their mind that they're present and they have to train and train and train and train all I got to do is is get on a BMX bike or a mountain bike. All I got to do is climb a wall. All I got to do is is get to the top 
of, of an amazing mountaineering climb. All I got to do is surf. All I got to do is skate. Because when you're on a motocross uh, bike or a motocross uh, motorcycle and you're out on a dirt bike hauling butt, that's the only place you can be. Because if you're not present at that moment, you're going to wreck. So action sports and outdoor enthusiasts have an unfair advantage of Zen because our events that we do in our lives, our, our pastimes actually put us in the now. And so it gives us an unfair advantage because we found Zen and our Zen, all we got to do is get on that bicycle. All we got to do is get on that surfboard and immediately we're in the now. There's a level of engagement that cannot be replicated through any form of technology in my strong opinion. You know, there's these things I think that exist called an Oculus, and I don't know anything about it other than that word, and that you put it on your face and it's supposed to make you feel something that you could do on your own. Um, I love this resurgence of people getting back out, enjoying those experiences in person, right? So like going for a walk um, instead of joining a chat room. you know, instead of taking a virtual tour, going out to that state park, climbing that mountain, getting in that whitewater raft, instead of just living vicariously through a screen or through an, an, an I guess, fake experience, so to speak. Yeah, and our, our society has torn down men, torn, torn them down. Not that we don't have sickness in women as well, because it is broken. But with men, we need to teach them the basics of what life should be about. And there's four things that I really like men to, especially young men to follow. Number one is get your mission back. Find what it is you're supposed to do with your life and do it. Number two is get in the best shape of your life. Just run yourself ragged every day till you're so tired that you sleep well at night. Number three, you gotta hang out with your alpha males. Alpha males and all the junior high jokes that go with it are super important. And number four, this is where all the boys need to listen right now. You got to go to Walmart and open doors and carry groceries for old women. You got to open a door for an old woman and go, oh, you look very nice today, ma'am. And she looks back at you. Those are safe little bets to when you're going to ask a girl out later on. Those little those little building blocks of opening doors for old women are the exact engagement that you need to ask a girl out. So those four things really are so important to building men in America. Again, get your mission back. Get in the best shape of your life. Engage with your alpha males and and start engaging with with older women to get the confidence that you need every single day. And you have to go out and find those things. You can't sit behind a computer and learn it. You can't watch a video. It's not like fixing a motorcycle with a YouTube video. This is what life we're forgetting by being online. And one of the things I like about your business and my business and the industry that we're in is we're teaching young men to actually be men again. That's right. You know, we get a lot of individuals, uh, men, women, children, uh, every walk and ethnicity uh, on the planet coming in dry goods. But I've noticed Saturday specifically, that same Shiner Saturday, the family will come in uh, as a as a unit or it'll be a Saturday thing for the dad and his son or daughter just like the donut shop or the coffee shop used to be for us growing up or that restaurant that you go to and get biscuits and gravy every Saturday. And that's that moment to bond and connect. You're not, they're not out going to buy stuff and things like they're spending time with, with each other and they're choosing to allow our business to be part of that. Right. So that's super special for us because they have a choice. They can do it anywhere and they choose to do it with us. They come in, they're not in a hurry. Now, Monday through Friday is a little different story. They need to get in, they need to get out. Uh, but Saturdays, they really relax and take it all in. They touch the tools, they feel the things, um, they look at the leather, they play with it. They can try things on. It's an experience. 
Yeah, that's what's missing out of online sales. You're touching a mouse and you're like moving it around and choosing stuff and you get that immediate like heroin high off of shopping as opposed to how will this help my kayaking? How is this going to help my fishing? It's a whole different mentality to touch and feel. Um, a perfect example is footwear. Other than online sales, footwear has continued to do great because of one thing. You're never going to leave a, a foot place, a, a footwear place without trying on the footwear. You have to try it on and get that feeling before you're going to buy that shoe that's going to make that kid run faster, jump higher. You know, the Superman effect to getting a kid, you know, back in the day in Air Jordan. And the first time they put it on, it was like putting on a cape or a, or a or shield. And, and that is not something you can get from online clicking. You know, we've brought that feeling back to our community through help of partners like you uh, and our other various makers. And, and it is quite the unique experience. You know, one of my favorite feelings at the shop, so we carry uh, quite a few varieties of your tools. One of them is the full metal jacket. It's a beautifully made axe. It's a conversation piece. It shines up beautifully. It's functional. It's all get out. It's well balanced. But my point, Todd, is that that axe is not... Uh, it's not your everyday, I'm going to go out and buy this axe. So I've had multiple people come in and see it, touch it, feel it, like it. Every time they come in, it's the same process. And then six months later, they're ready to pull the trigger. I like that because it tells me that they've gone home, they've maybe done some research, but they've thought about it and they want to keep coming back in and making sure that it's the right fit for them. And what a great feeling when someone's ready to pull the trigger and they do it with you. I love the fact that you brought up the full metal jacket. That's my favorite axe we make, uh, not for aesthetics, but lifetime warranty. You can't wreck that axe. Um, we throw a lifetime even on the handle because this is something that's a daily user that honestly, if you're, if you're going to thrash this axe, we owe you another axe. Like we dare people to spend the $200 on the axe and get the lifetime warranty. We've got a whole line of these coming out next year with fishing pliers, fishing knives, uh, a few axes, and then some folding knives that will all have that lifetime warranty. And that obviously plays into our USA made style because we have this whole line of axe, axes this year that will be 100% sourced in the United States. And although the cost goes way up, as does the price, um, you're getting a USA-made product from start to finish uh, with USA-made labor, and we really want to go that direction. A lot of the stuff we make, even if it's recycled metal from the United States, is the best quality steel, but to try to get it made in the United States has been a challenge. So now that we've worked that out in our brand, uh, we're just really excited to offer these lifetime warranties for supporting USA-made businesses. You know, this morning, uh, <clears throat> after we, first of all, super cool to wake up on a boat, right? So it's cool, woke up on a boat, uh, went and took a shower there at the uh, at the clubhouse, and then we headed out for the day. And we were cruising around the golf cart, uh, you know, on the sidewalks there. We had a wonderful breakfast. Uh, the community is very vibrant and alive and well here. You took me down to the outfit, to the Real Simple Outfit and your UA headquarters. Uh, and got to see some of the inner workings and I told you I was like man this is not what I expected like I don't know what I expected but it's awesome it, it's it's small it's efficient it's a it's a great footprint and you guys are doing big things and we're super blessed to be a part of that um, not only through the shop but just through the life 
through the relationships that are that are gained on our journey through life, man. This is a special place. Boy, we're just glad you came down. I, I really enjoy the relationship we have with your guys' business. And just to get to hang uh, with the crew here at the uh, Yacht Club last night was amazing to hang out with you a little bit, share some grub. And then, you know, you mentioned sleep on a boat. Growing up, my mom and dad probably have 20 to 30 pictures of me sleeping on boats. It's like I get on a boat and I'm narcoleptic, so uh, sleeping on a boat for me has never been a problem, and it sure is a blessing to wake up and be rocked to sleep like that every night. Man, just to watch that sunset and then the moon rise and thank the good Lord that he's going to continue to allow that to happen until he decides not to is so beautiful. Um, So like I said, we're on your boat right now. So if we're looking off to my left, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at the Kima waterfront over there, and the Kima boardwalk, as you know, uh, Toma Fertitta, Landry's, uh, did this in three locations. They did it downtown Houston. They did one here in Kima, and they did one down at Pleasure Pier in Galveston. And he would take, again, one thing I like about Toma Fertitta, most billionaires don't really like him. I like this billionaire because he took places that were falling into the water, and he revived the entire area by building these boardwalks, these restaurants, these bars, um, these amusement parks. And, and flagship pier in Galveston, same thing. We used, to, we used to paddle out under that when there'd be big swells and you'd hear this big baboom behind you and you turned around and, and a big piece of concrete would fall off of the pier and fall in the water next to you. Super sketchy to surf there. Didn't know if there was rebar underneath the water when it got big, who knew, but, but he, took that whole thing and made it into Pleasure Pier, just like you did here at Kima. Uh, when I was first introduced to this area back in the early 90s, um, it was all falling into the water. That's where all the shrimp boats were, and it was just run down and depressed. And even though you had million-dollar homes less than a mile from it, Kima just blossomed this area again. And, and it's such a neat community because I really like this part, Clear Lake Shores Island. You can take a golf cart around there. You pass a flag. You'll you'll pass a Trump flag, a Biden flag, uh, a rainbow flag, a Dixie flag. And the amazing part about this community is they're all at the same barbecue. And nobody gets on each other about their political opinions. What I like about old school people is that when you find a community like this, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter if you believe in one candidate over another these guys are at the same barbecue and that's my kind of place that's right because that's the true community it's not what you see on tv it's not what you hear on the airwaves if you want to take the pulse of, of your community get out there go to the park play some basketball go to a barbecue volunteer at a local organization that'll tell you what's going on in your community and you may identify with one group or another like maybe mexican-american is something you would say or uh, native american there's only one can, and that's American. That's American. That's right. Yeah. I agree with you. What is, uh, what's next for Real Simple Tools? Our growth uh, is going to be nothing but wholesale accounts. Uh, we have no plans in the future of Amazon. We have no plans in the future of making partnerships with major retailers. Our backbone, right now we're in 22 states, our backbone is that other half of America that we haven't met yet and the people that we're meeting and signing up every day similar to last year with Lone Star is that we're finding the retailers that each community wants to support we're not in a hurry we're not out there to make a quick buck we we're making great 
product with great margin and we have great partnerships and we're profitable. But the future for real is in the specialty retailer. It's in the technician of the people that want to go to the water, go to the trail, go to the mountain and, and, and get just their last knife, get their last ax, their last fire starter. We want people to use our stuff fix our stuff over time with handles and things like that and continue to have those blades and striking instruments to the end of their life i i still have axes that i had as a kid yeah i was gonna say your products have this functionality to them but also this heirloom quality to to pass down that axe to your son or daughter or to your niece or nephew uh just to so it can it's gonna live a life and that life can tell a story whether it's through the handle or the you know dings in the blade or whatever it's all got personality and i think that's a lot of what's lost in today's age is when it's broke we don't fix it whether it's a marriage or a tool we just we're just done with it. We'll just go get another one. And that's not what Lone Star is about. And I know it's not what, you know, what Rill's about. Um, so I like that it allows and affords people the opportunity through their hard-earned, uh, through their hard-earned dollars to be able to pass that on down the line. So when people pick, uh, when people pick up something from Real Simple Tools, what do they expect? What can they expect? Well, first you have to have quality and, and you also have to have a coolness factor. And you can't have that if you're selling the major retailers. You can't have a coolness factor if everybody's got it. Uh, we just want to be different. We want to be quality. And we want to just look around and see stuff around us that we can reuse that will, and repurpose that will make sense. And the stuff that we have is simple. It, they are tools. And, and real sort of sounds like real. We're just sort of real. We want every product we have to have a realness aspect of it to where it's so simple that people are like, why didn't I think of this? Outstanding, Todd. Man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, so people know that they can find you uh, in our locations, but where can they find you online if they want to learn more about the real experience uh, and what you guys are about? Well, so we really always want to drive this back to our retailers. So right now we have 85 retailers in 22 states. If you Google R-I-L-L Simple Tools, uh, we do have a website. It's realsimpletools.com. Uh, we do have an Instagram page uh, at Real Simple Tools. Other than that, we don't do any advertising. We don't uh, sell direct to consumer except through our website, and we do no advertising. I think we, gosh, I, we sold a couple hundred units online last year. That's it. Um, most of our business are these strong specialty retailers. If you go to our website, in the next uh, month or two, we're going to have a dealer finder on there, so it'll be a lot more helpful. We've had a lot of people ask for that. But right now, go to your specialty retailer, whether it's an outdoor guy, a mountain guy, a, a, a offshore fishing or a bass place, and ask them to get real simple tools and tell them the story. The story is we will support specialty retailers and that's our brand and that's going to be the backbone from here on out as well amen brother todd thank you so much my friend we're gonna have to do this again it's been a blast sure appreciate it bud thanks for coming down you bet be sure to subscribe to where the buffalo roam wherever your favorite podcasts are served and tune in next time for a very essential thanksgiving edition with our special guest all the way from nevada